You're listening to a Chirp Radio podcast. You can find more interviews and features at chirpradio.org podcasts. You can't win The car will return With no The first time I saw Daniel Knox perform was uh, in 2005 at a loft party here in Chicago. We caught up recently at a historic hotel in downtown Chicago, familiar territory for Knox, and he'll tell you why as he tells the story of his creative life in the city. And he gives us a peek into what it's like for a film buff to work as a projectionist at the renowned Music Box Theater in Chicago. In this interview, he rolls the film of his world for us, and it's filled with movies and music and remarkable people. soundtrack. I did the original score for Hans Fleschmann's 
production of The Glass Menagerie, which most recently showed at The Den and was put on by the Hypocrites Theater Group. That's one of the things I'm most proud of. It was all for strings and really barely any piano. It worked out as I, I wrote a suite of music that got rebuilt to fit this play, and I wrote it by spending months and months talking to Hans over the phone. I hadn't even really met him, and we talked about this play and what it meant to us, and and it was really interesting. Hans, so Hans' production of, of Glass Menagerie was different because he begins where Tom is a homeless man in an alley, and he stays the homeless man through the rest of the show, and he's interacting with them through his imagination, and it's a really brilliant take on that that show and that idea. Being a part of that was really really amazing. It was a new way to experience it and a really cinematic way to put theater on, I think, and why I connected with his idea so much. It felt it felt like I was scoring a live film, I guess. The look of the show, the feel of it, it was just remarkable. It's something that I'm really proud of. I find it fascinating and curious that you walk around at night, and obviously you're a night owl because of your work. Have you worked out a lot of your music doing that? There's probably just as much work going into songs spent away from the songs as there is spent sitting on top of them at a piano, working them out. I tend to think a lot and write a lot by walking and clearing my head and looking at things. In terms of a night owl... I think that started when I was kicked out of high school, and I got my diploma, by the way, but I got a, a job delivering newspapers, and what I would do is stay up all night, deliver the newspapers at dawn in a shopping cart, and then go to sleep. And I really gone sort of in and out of that schedule in my lifetime, but being a projectionist really lends itself to that as well, which I've done for the last 12 years. It's led to uh, a preference. I got started going into hotels the Hilton, the Drake, or wherever, places that I come to not be at my own piano or not be behind a keyboard and get away from the trappings of that environment. I'd come to Chicago to go to film school. I didn't like the the social nature of it. I wanted to do it all myself, and you really can't do that if you're making a film. You also have to commit to one idea for, you know, a year at a time, which I've now, I guess in retrospect, I've done that with records, but at the time, being able to sit down and write a song really fast, if I wanted to, was appealing. You work at the Music Box. How long have you been there? So I've been at the Music Box for about 12 years and really enjoy working with film, really enjoy just being in that place when the films are running or when they're not, and being a part of the presentation of films and getting to watch them and having my hands on film in a sort of dream job for me as a kid, and I really enjoy doing it. There's not a lot of places that really do what the music box does in the world. We're one of a dying breed, and we do it really well. That is that you run actual We run actual film, film and 35mm, 16mm, 70mm, and, and we're actually equipped to run it really well, and it looks great. Occasionally people come in with old films <laughs> they don't know what so to do with. 
it's it's happened a couple times where someone has come in and either given us something or given me rare print that they found or rescued from a closing library or something like that. So I, I have a small collection of 16 millimeter prints and we have what are called orphan prints, which are, you know, movies that uh, nobody bothered to pick up. We have a lot of those and we have a lot of old trailers and we show them when we're showing Little Shop of Horrors as a midnight movie, like we'll bring out the 35 millimeter trailer and show that. We have a couple reels of really weird and funny old trailers that sometimes we'll just show before a movie. Got any wild, wacky, or weird stories? About Music Box? Yeah. that you want to share? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, we showed a movie. We had this thing called uh, Talk Cinema. They would show a new movie that nobody had heard of, and they wouldn't tell the people who were coming what it was going to be. We would just They would just find out what it was when the movie started. And the movie in question on this occasion was New York Doll, which was about the bassist from the New York Dolls. And the arc of his story essentially was he was in this big rock band, had a big drug downward spiral, got into Mormonism, redeemed himself, had a triumphant return with the band, and then he died. But I had arranged the reels in order of, of one, two, three, five, and four. I'm getting ready to start the last reel, and I see the credits begin and I realize what I've done. I've left a reel out. And so the story was a lot shorter and told where essentially he is in this band, does a bunch of drugs, and dies. And I come down into the lobby and everyone is weeping over this this sad, sad movie that, you know, this true story that I did the sort of projectionist accidental cut of and nobody ever nobody ever noticed i mean i'm sure that some of those people noticed one day when they saw the movie again if they ever did but yeah also i got yelled at by crispin glover one time for a perceived projection error that was really fine but and he's wonderful i've got no problem with him but it's really weird to be yelled at by a movie star whose voice and face he recognized really well you take a lot of photographs I think the impulse to stop and take a look at something, which is what a photograph is, is a good impulse to have. A small creative act, and th- that impulse, I think, is just a good one to cultivate for anybody. I think it's just a good thing to do. You find out a lot about yourself just by bothering to do that. And I have tons of photos, and Instagram is a really nice outlet for that. It's kept me in touch with people, and, and I tend to get correspondence due to that, which is nice. I enjoy that. People who like my music seem to like my photos. I follow you on Instagram, and I know you post on Facebook as well, but do you have a Tumblr or another place that you put up more? I do. My Tumblr page, which has everything, it's dkphonephotos.tumblr.com. It's there. It's for anybody who wants to see it who asks. Do you take video? Do you make films? I would love to make films. I've done some of my own music videos. John Atwood and I did a project where we made a new film every week. Every Tuesday for one year we made a film. And they're available. They're on my Vimeo page, vimeo.com slash Daniel Knox. There's a instrumental track, Car Blue. Mm-hmm. The meaning of that. What are the visuals for that? What are so, the camera instructions? So the self-titled record, in the case of Blue Car and Car Blue, Blue Car is the first track, and you hear that at the beginning, and Car Blue begins before the finale song at the end, and it folds the whole record onto itself. 
I didn't want it to be the, the finale. I wanted the finale to be something a little more grand, but I wanted it to be there right before the end was coming and remind you of where we started. And the best way to do that is to turn things backwards. So Car Blue is essentially the chords of Blue Car, the music of it played backwards. Blue Car is a song that came from a real experience that happened to me where I witnessed my older self as a young person drive into the driveway, but I could not see myself sitting in the seat, but I became aware that a version of myself from a future time had arrived and we were now looking upon each other but not seeing each other. It's the short version of that. And I wrote Car Blue specifically to build upon that idea. So that, that song has a lot to do with time and the sort of folding and passage of time. It's fun talking to you, fun getting, yeah, thanks for, getting your story. Thanks for having me and, and talking to me. I appreciate it. You've been listening to an interview with Daniel Knox. This is Eve Sokolai for Chirp Radio, Chicago. You can find this and other Chirp Radio interviews and podcasts at chirpradio.org slash podcasts.